God's Word. Uh, if you'll look there in the uh, chair back in front of you, there'll be a Bible. Also, the verses will appear on the screen. Our passage of Scripture this morning is found in Exodus chapter number 4. Exodus chapter number 4. I'll be reading verses 1 through 12, and then also two verses from Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2. So Exodus chapter 4 and verses 1 through 12. Those who are able, if you'll stand at this time for the reading of God's word. Exodus chapter 4 and verses 1 through 12. The Bible says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is it that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom, and he put his hand into his bosom. When he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thine hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river, and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seen, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Then skip over to Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5, we're going to look in verse 1 and 2. It says, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for uh, this time together. I pray you just... Boy, that was a fabulous song. Uh, if you listen to the words in that song, no matter what you've done, turn to Jesus. Uh, all of us, of course, we're all sinners, uh, but God will take each and every one of us, no matter what we've done or where we've been. And uh, I appreciate ladies taking the time and practicing and working on that and all the time that goes into uh, singing a song like that. I appreciate even more the message from that song. The passage of scripture we read this morning, Exodus 4, verse 1 through 12, it's a passage of scripture that many of us, I'm sure, are familiar with, but I want to uh, uh, just go over 
a little bit of a uh, what's happening uh, just before this passage of Scripture. Here in the Bible, of course, we find in the first, uh, second chapter of Exodus, we have uh, Moses uh, at the time is born. And when Moses is born, uh, he's born in a time when the king of Egypt had uh, decreed that all Hebrew boys uh, that were born would be killed. And of course, we have then Moses is born and his mother decides to hide him in her house. So she takes Moses, knowing that all the babies uh, at that time are to be killed, and instead she, she keeps him in her house for three months. Uh, now, how she kept him quiet enough for three months for nobody to hear is beyond me, because if, the, if Moses was anything like my two daughters, uh, there's no way that you can have a baby in your house for more than a day and keep it a secret. But uh, for whatever reason, she was able to keep him for three months, and finally... Uh, when three months, about three months had come, she takes Moses and she takes him down to the river and she makes a basket for him and uh, covers it with a, a kind of like a tar or a pitch. And she places Moses in that basket. And then she takes the basket and she puts it in the, the, the tall grass or the bulrushes and she puts it down there by the river and kind of hides it. I can't even imagine uh, what that had to have been like for her to put her baby in a river. Uh, I know when our daughter Caitlin was born, it was uh, constantly checking on her every, you know, 30 seconds almost, you know, is she still, is she still doing okay? And uh, that was when she wasn't telling us that she was there. She, she told us often that she was there. Uh, she, uh, but my wife and I constantly checking, is she warm enough? Is, boy, is that blanket, they had that blanket, you know, that try to helps them stay wrapped up is the blanket, you know, she was born in January and she, and just outside of Chicago. So it was cold. And so we were always kind of checking on it constantly, but I can't imagine taking your baby and placing it in a river, but that's what she was forced to have to do. So she goes, as the story says, she puts Moses in this little ark, and she puts him down by the river. Moses had a sister who obviously loved her little brother. Moses' sister decides that she's going to keep an eye on her baby brother. So she stands afar off and kind of, I'm sure, just watching to make sure uh, that no crocodiles or anything came through the river or whatever, but she wanted to make sure the basket didn't begin to sink Whatever the case may be, she begins to stand there afar off and keep an eye on her baby brother as he's laying there in that basket. Pharaoh's daughter, uh, the king of Egypt, comes down to bathe in the river. And as she comes down, to her surprise, she finds this basket with a baby in it. Uh, I, found a lot of, I, find, I have found many things in rivers before. And, uh, and I've never found a baby in a river before. Uh, I've rarely ever do I ever catch fish in a river, though I've tried many times, but I'm not nearly as good as the Resentis family is as far as catching fish. But she comes down, and to her surprise, she finds a baby there in a basket. She takes the baby up and realizes it's a Hebrew child. And just by chance, 
Moses' sister comes over and she uh, asks if she would like her to go find a Hebrew nurse that could take care of this baby. Pharaoh's mother says, yes, go find someone that can nurse the baby. And, of course, his sister happens to find her mom to take care of the baby. So not only does the mom then get to take care of her child, but Pharaoh's daughter gives her wages to take care of them. And uh, can you imagine, mothers, getting paid to take care of your children, uh, the love that you have for them. But uh, on top of it, not only do you have the love and the care to get to be a mother, but you also get paid for it. And I'm sure all of us husbands, we pay you by changing the dirty diapers and all that many times, always feeding them in the middle of the night. But all those different things. But she, she gets paid to take care of her own son. Story goes, she uh, has her son for about uh, close to three years at the time, two to three years until he stops nursing back then. And he goes back and lives with Pharaoh's daughter. It's believed he lives with her until he's around 14 to 15 years old. And it's at that time that he goes out and goes into where his people are, the children of Israel. And they are being worked terribly. Uh, they're being treated horribly. They're being uh, enslaved and held captive there in Egypt. And he goes and he, uh, as he goes out, he finds an uh, Egyptian man that is beating a Hebrew uh, man. And he, Moses, kills that Egyptian. And I'm just kind of giving the fast version of the story. But he kills the Egyptian. And the next day he goes out. And there are two Hebrew men that are fighting, and he begins to intervene, and they ask him, are you going to do to us what you did to the Egyptian yesterday? He had thought that nobody was looking, but he gets scared and realizes it's been found out. Pharaoh finds out, he runs for his life, and flees, and he then, as we pick up the story later, he goes and he is with, gets married, has a child and he is in the land and with, in Midian uh, working for his uh, father-in-law. He's keeping some sheep and as he goes to, uh, as he has the flock, he's uh, out in the, the pasture and all of a sudden he comes upon this bush that is burning. Of course, we've all heard about the burning bush and uh, in the bush, the fire there is the Lord God and he speaks to Moses and he has a Big job for him to do. He begins to tell him that he, he needs him to be his uh, man that goes and helps deliver and lead the children out of bondage and captivity. Moses says to him, uh, I just don't feel like I can do it. Uh, I'm not capable of it. Uh, the Lord says, they're never going to believe me. God says, I'm going to give you a couple ways to be able to uh, to convince them. Of course, he says, take your rod and your staff, throw it on the ground. He throws it on the ground and becomes a serpent. And he picks it up and it becomes a rod again. That's pretty cool. And uh, then he says, uh, if that doesn't work, put your hand underneath your, uh, underneath your arm or in your bosom. And he does and he pulls it out and it's full of leprosy. He says, now put it back and he puts it back and it's, as, uh, it's completely healed and just as it had been. He gives him one more thing. He says, if they still don't believe after seeing your rod become a serpent or your hand become leprous, uh, I want you to take the water and let, it be, and, show, and let it become blood. 
So he gives them those three things, even after those cool things. Moses still says, I just don't think I can do it. Uh, I don't have the speech and the ability to do it. The Lord gives him uh, his brother Aaron to go with him and help be his mouthpiece. Fast forward into the story now to the point where we read today. Uh, they get to the point where they can uh, they convince the elders of Israel uh, that God is with them and on their side. And then they go and they go before Pharaoh. And they get to Pharaoh and look in chapter 5. And we're just going to read these two verses this morning that we read just moments ago. It says, and afterward, Moses and Aaron, that's to the point in the story where now we are at, went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, and this is four words I want to look at today, Who is the Lord, he says, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Interesting, he says, who is the Lord? And then he follows it up by saying, I know not the Lord. I want to ask you this morning, who is the Lord to you? What is God to you? Is he just a, like he is to me sometimes, someone that if I get in a real pinch, I'll run to him and say, oh boy, I, I need your help. Can you help me out? Oh, thank you. Okay. He's this person we think about when it's convenient. Or do you really take the time, like we all need to more often, and think, who is God? And what is he? What is the Lord? Who is the Lord to me in my life? When I think of the Lord or God, I think of many things. I sat down and I just, I wrote out several attributes of the Lord or God and I wrote them down. I tried to come up with one for every letter of the alphabet. There's one, I, there's a couple letters I struggle with, but maybe you'll be able to figure one out. I thought about the fact that we have a awesome God. We have an almighty God. A God who is a beautiful God. I'm glad we serve a God who is our counselor. The Bible says in Psalm 16, 7, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. I'm glad we have a God who says, I have every answer to life's question right here in the book that I gave to you. God can be your counselor. Uh, you know, and not only can God be your counselor, but he has ways, in the, of course, in the Bible, reading his book to be able to, to give us counsel. He's also put people in your life and in our life and my life to help guide us and direct us. Uh, for He gave us uh, our pastor, Brother Mason, to be a shepherd, to lead us, to counsel us. Uh, I encourage you, there's never a time, if you're, if you're having a, a, a struggle in your life or a difficulty or a situation and uh, it's a big decision to make. Uh, go, to your go to our pastor and ask him for his advice. Uh, God put different people in our life, and he put a shepherd in our life to be able to help guide us and direct us. Uh, go to Pastor Mason and say, hey, I, I, I got a question. I'm getting ready to buy a house. What do you think? Uh, I'm getting ready to, to uh, consider this Bible college. What do you think? 
uh, use our pastor for why God's given him to us. Uh, God is our counselor. He's given us so many opportunities to have wisdom. Not only is there a counselor, he is our deliverer. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I don't know what situation you might be dealing with this morning. You might say, hey, if you only understood, uh, Brother Andy, what I'm dealing with. If you only, only understood the financial difficulty that I'm dealing with. And I know in a room this size, there's always financial difficulties. Uh, there's, there's always situations in our life that we think, man, there's no way that I can see a way out of this. But with God, I'm here today to say he is our great deliverer. God to deliver you from no matter what situation you're dealing with, whether it's a, a, a struggle in your family, whether it's a financial struggle, whether it's uh, a health issue that you just don't see there's a way out of. God is our deliverer. Not only is he our deliverer, he is our encourager. He encourages us no matter what we're going through. Not only is he our encourager, he's a forgiver. He's forgiving. He's gentle. He's a giving God. I'm glad I have a God who says, hey, I can handle you very gently. I know there's times in my life, things I do, that if I were God, I'd say, you know what, I'm going to give you the beat down. I mean, I'm going to whip you into shape. But instead, we have a God who is a gentle God. He's a helper. He's holy. He's a healer. He's incredible. He's just. He's kind. He's a king. Jeremiah 9.24 says, but let him that glorieth, Glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. He's our leader. He's loving. He's long-suffering. He's merciful. He's mighty. He's near. He's never-ending. He's overcoming. He's patient. I'm glad I have a patient God. He's a perfect God. He's quiet. He's righteous. He's sinless. He's sovereign. What a God we serve today. Take time to think, boy, you're a mighty God. Who is the Lord? I'm glad we don't have a Lord in our life who is just a little statue that we uh, rub the top of their head that sits like Buddha. I'm glad we have a God who is a risen Savior this morning, someone who we can actively communicate and talk to on a daily basis. He's a true God. John 17, 3 says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I love this one. He's an unchanging God. Malachi 3, verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Who's the Lord to you this morning? Realize he's a God who doesn't change. Boy, change happens in our life all the time. I can look out in the crowd and I can see uh, someone like Justin, who's going to be going off to college. I can see Josh Thompson up there, he's getting ready to go off to college, or Alex Resentes. Boy, that's a huge change in your life. Leaving home, leaving your good home, mother's home cooking, uh, having to do your own laundry. Of course, all three of those guys say they already do their own laundry on a daily basis, constantly. Their mom never has to clean up after them. But all the, those, that's a, it's, they're about ready to experience a huge change in their life. Maybe you've recently lost a spouse. My wife and I were at the Robin Hood Festival. And uh, we met an uh, a, a elderly lady. I think her name was, um, remember her name? Joyce. I was going to say Josephine. 
I don't know where that came from, but Joyce, her name is Joyce. And we began to talk to Joyce, just a sweet lady. And as we began to, we gave her invitation to our church and uh, began to tell her about what our, uh, how our church has a class uh, just for a connect group for her age. And uh, she mentioned that she had just lost her husband not too long ago, after 37 years of marriage. She was just walking through the Robin Hood Festival all by herself. And uh, my wife and I, she, stood there, she, had, she, she just talked and talked and talked and talked some more. And you could tell she was, she was looking for someone to just to talk to. And she was experiencing a great change in her life. And I'm sure there's ladies here or, or men here today who've lost a spouse. And you've gone through a, a big change in your life. So glad that we have a God who is an unchangeable God. Maybe you've had a, a job change, and that's unsettling. Uh, maybe you've had a child go off to college, or they're getting ready to go off to college, and that's a huge thing to happen in a parent's life. Uh, maybe you're getting ready to, uh, to go, I know, uh, getting ready to go and move out of state to change locations, uh, and like the Grimes are, and that's going to be a huge change. But I'm here to say today, God is never changing. He's an unchanging God. He's a victorious God. He's a wise God. Now, this is when I came to X. I thought X. Boy, I can't extra. Well, that's not an X. Uh, I couldn't come up with X, so I thought he's the X factor. And uh, he's the great X factor in our life. But uh, not only that, he yearns for us. He's a zealous God. Who is the Lord to you? There's so many things in our life that we can say, that's what God is to me. Pharaoh here in this passage of scripture says, I know not, or who is the Lord? He was about to find out. He was about to find out three of one of, of my favorite attributes of God. Number one, I think you'll put that up there. It's the Lord knew what needed to be done. God knew what needed to be done in his life. The Lord knows what needs to be done. Why? Because God is omniscient. He's a God who knows everything about us. He knows what's happened in your life in the past. He knows what's going to happen to your life in the future. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about this world. He knows everything about your life. I was, uh, my daughters and I and my wife were down in uh, Bend recently, and uh, my, uh, my daughters begged and begged to go rock climbing. And, uh, well, maybe not exactly. But uh, we went rock climbing. If I play dolls with them, they'll go rock climbing with me. Uh, so we, we found this place. It was a, a rock climbing gym. Uh, it had walls that were 30 or 40 feet high. And uh, you had uh, a rappel rope. And uh, you could try to climb all these different, uh, they were all different levels and, and, uh, of difficulty. And uh, we had a great time. My wife even overcome, overcame her heights and tried and rock climbed with us. And uh, so we went rock climbing there. And uh, my, there was this one particular uh, difficulty level. It was a pink wall. And uh, it was one that my daughter, Caitlin, uh, she, oh, she's here this morning. She decided she wanted to climb. It was the next difficulty level up. It was a, a 5.8. She had just done a 5.7. She wanted to climb this 5.8. And so she got on that wall and she tried to go up it a little bit. And uh, there was parts of it where you're almost kind of leaning back and, and she could not see 
uh, when you're up on the wall, it's hard to be able to tell where the next uh, hand rest is, foothold is or handhold is. And uh, so she kept trying several times. She couldn't make it. So finally, being the competitive person that I am, I thought, man, I don't want her to quit. I want her to make this. I want her to, I want her to get to the top. So I walked over to her and I said, and of course, there's a lot of people in the room. And I said, and no one else was doing this, but hey, I'm, I'm the dad. I'm competitive. I said, Caitlin, just put your foot on the next. There's a, there's a handhold, uh, a foothold about six inches above your right leg. And so she put her foot up about six inches above where, where it had been, and she was able to find it and put her foot on top of it. And I said, okay, good, good. Now just listen to what, I can see everything up there. I can see, put your hand up seven inches. There's a handhold right around the corner from where it's at right now. And she began to tremble, and she let go and came back down. I said, Caitlin, why didn't you just grab it? It was right there. She said, I couldn't see it. I said, but it's right there. That's why I'm there to tell you what to do. Try it again. So she gets up. She starts going again and gets about halfway up. And, and I'm telling her where to go and what to do. And she gets nervous and, and comes back down again. And I don't know how many times we did it. Several times. To the point where uh, I'm getting very worked up. Uh, hey, it's up there just to the right. now. I'm yelling. And my wife finally comes over. She says, um, sweetheart, everybody in the gym hears you. And I said, well, they should. My daughter's going to make it. And uh, so I, I toned it down a little bit. But finally I said, okay, Caitlin, just, just not, you know, uh, if, if you're not going to listen, you can't do it unless you listen to everything I tell you. So I, I decided to, we went on to another place, and she came back, and she finally, she came to me, and she said, Dad, if I listen to everything you tell me, can we try it one more time? And I said, sure. So we went back to the pink wall, and, Caitlin began again trying to climb it. Okay, you got it, you got it. There's one right above you. It's just over, just grab it. Grab, it's right above, six inches over your next hand, your right hand. And she grabbed a hold of it. Finally, after several minutes, there's a place at the top where you have to tap it. She gets to the top and taps it. And I mean, as soon as she did, I just started yelling and screaming, hey, my daughter just finished that. I mean, you see that? And she was excited. Why? How did she make it? She made it because she had a father who was saying, hey, you can't see it, but I can see it. All you have to do is just listen to my voice and follow after what I tell you. You can make it. You can't see what's ahead of you, but our Heavenly Father can. You might be sitting there today saying, but you just, I, I, there's no way I can make it. How is God ever going to work this out? You know, that's what faith comes into play. God says, let me, let me take it. I'm all-knowing. I know everything there is. Just listen to me. And if we, sometimes we say, but I know more than God knows, or I've got to have, I've got to have a way around this, and there's just no way around it, but God knows. Just listen to his voice. Pharaoh was about to find out that God is omniscient. He knew everything. Moses said, there's no way I can make it. God gave him some, uh, some examples to say, hey, I'll show you that you can make it. He gives him Aaron, and God says, I will tell you exactly what to do. I know how Pharaoh's going to react, and I already have a plan. All you have to do is just follow my plan, and it'll all work out. Not only does God know everything and what needs to be done, number two, the Lord has the power 
to do what's needed to be done. See, God is omnipotent. I love the fact that God is all-powerful. How can, he knows everything, but how is it ever going to work out? Well, because he's an all-powerful God. Pharaoh was about to find out that when, or Moses was about to find out that when Pharaoh wouldn't listen, God had a few things planned. Of course, we find that he, first, he, he turns the water into blood, the frogs come, then God sends lice, then he sends flies, the livestock die, there's boils, then he sends a hailstorm, locusts come. I can't imagine all these things happen, and all these different plagues come, but yet Pharaoh continues to think, hey, you know what, I'm going to one-up God. He's not going to get me. I'm gonna, I am not going to give in. And so many times that's the way we are in our life. You know what, I have all these problems, and I know you know everything, God, and you're all-powerful, but I'm not going to give in to just trusting in you and having faith that you're going to come through. I hope it doesn't ever have to come to the point. I can't imagine Pharaoh wakes up one morning and he's laying in, for one, his, if frogs, if I woke up and there were frogs all over my wife, I guarantee you that I would have to do something about it. If there were frogs all over me, there'd have to be something done about it. And then you throw in lice and you throw in boils now on you, then you throw in darkness, all those different things, yet Pharaoh said, I don't care who is the Lord. He didn't realize how powerful God was. He's a powerful God. Next, I put down, not only does he know everything, not only does he have the power to do what's needed to be done, but the Lord is near when something needs to be done. Why? Because he's an omnipresent God. This is probably one of the harder ones for me. It's easy to understand knowledge. And, you know, you can gain knowledge. It's easy to understand power. I've seen a lot of amazing things. Uh, and, but to understand the fact that God is everywhere. I put down, there's three things about the fact that God is omnipresent. You can put up there. Number one, it's challenging. It's challenging to understand how God can be with me, but yet he can be with Jim in the back. It's hard. How, how can God be with me, but he can be with Brother Charles over here at the same time? I mean, I understand God's, he's knowledgeable. I understand he's all-knowing. I understand he's all-powerful. But how can he be with you and me at the same time? It's challenging to understand that, but that's why he is an unbelievable, amazing God. Who is the Lord to you? Knowing he's everywhere, not only is it challenging, but it's also convicting. Jeremiah 23, 24 says, Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? How is it? You can't hide from God. No matter where you go, no matter how far you run, away from him, you can't hide from him. Why? Because he's, he's everywhere. He's with you that are going through a tough time financially while he's at the hospital dealing with 
someone uh, who's having a hip replacement surgery or a knee replacement surgery. He's with my wife while she's taking care of my girls at the same time while he's with me going through the day. See, both of us, you and me, can both walk with God anytime we want. It's not a matter of, it's my turn. I know when my daughters and I will go or we'll go out to eat or we'll go somewhere on a walk, it's, uh, they fight over, hey, who can hold mommy's hand or who can hold daddy's hand? And hey, uh, and, and they always want to, who can sit next to mom or who can sit next to dad while we're out somewhere? That's not the way it is with God. He's everywhere. He's always there for you and for me. On November 22nd, 1952, a C-124 military transport plane departed McCord Air Base in Washington State en route to Elmendorf Air Force Base near Anchorage, Alaska, with 52 passengers on board. The flight was recorded as passing Middleton Island in the Gulf of Alaska around 4 p.m., a distress call was received by the pilot of a Northwest Orient Airlines passenger aircraft. The reception was very poor, but the Northwest captain made out the sentence, as long as we have to land, we might as well land here. Weather near Elmendorf at the time was very bad with heavy clouds. The C-124 was flying without visual references, using just altitude, a radio beacon, and a stopwatch. There was no further communication from the C-124, and it failed to arrive in Elmendorf as scheduled. 32 military aircraft searched the surrounding mountains, and four Coast Guard vessels searched Prince William Sound. The wreckage of the aircraft was found on the south side of Mount Gannett, when the tail section of the C-124 was found sticking out of the snow at an elevation of about 8,100 feet, close to the summit of Mount Gannett. It was determined that the plane was obviously flying at full speed and appeared to have slid down the cliffs of Mount Gannett and exploded. From this, they concluded that the pilot was flying on a faulty instrument, flying blind, and probably crashed without any warning whatsoever to him directly into the southern face of Mount Gannett with no navigational support or contact to direct him. Those 52 men died because that pilot was in a storm in his life. He was in a storm that day while he was flying that C-124 in 1952. Couldn't see anything. His instruments were believed to be faulty. Had no navigational support, no radio communication to help guide him, to let him know that, well, I think I'm, if I'm going to land, I might as well land here. Well, if you're going to land a pilot, we'd probably never pick the summit of a mountain to land on. But that's where he thought he, he, he didn't, he had no clue where he was. Because he had no one directing or guiding him. Each one of us here today have a God who is all-knowing. He knows everything. He's all-powerful. And he's everywhere. No matter what storm you're going through in life, no matter what difficulty it is that you're dealing with, God is saying, hey, I want to be your pilot today. You might be here today and you're visiting and you might say, I don't even know, Brother Andy, the, the pilot you're talking about. I've never had a time in my life where I realized that I was a sinner and that there was a penalty of 
death and hell for my sin, but that God sent his son to die for us. And that he chose me and wants me to have eternal life. Maybe you've never accepted him as, as your pilot, as your savior. But God wants to be each and every one of us. He wants to be there and say, hey, all you have to do is just put your hand up six inches. I know, I know you don't. The doctor's saying that it doesn't look good. But I'm the great physician. I know what lies ahead. Boy, if I'm going through life, I would sure like to know that I am trusting in someone who can see what's ahead of me, who wants to be with me and can be with me all the time, who wants to be there to navigate me through life storms. How about you today? Is the Lord someone in your life who you say, boy, I, I know him? Or are you like Pharaoh today and say, you know, I'm saved, but I don't know that I really know the Lord. Have you spent time with him today? Have you said, I want you to direct my life today through any trial that I face? God's willing, he's able, and he wants to be there with you today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this passage of scripture you put here in the Bible for a reason, for us to be able to see the truths and what we can learn from it that you're there for us. You're a powerful God. You're an all-knowing God. You're a God who's with us through any storm in life. If you're here this morning, you say, boy, I'm like, I'm like what you mentioned. Uh, Brother Andy, I've, I have never accepted Christ as my Savior. I've never asked him, and I don't know that I have eternal life in heaven. I pray you just make that right today. At the end of the service, we're going to, in just a moment, we'll, uh, we'll play a song give you an opportunity to come forward. I pray you just come down front and tell someone that you'd like to know for sure. Before you leave the building today, make that certain that you know where you'll spend eternity. Maybe you are saved this morning and you say, boy, I need to, I need to let God be the Lord of my life and to, I need to follow him everywhere he goes. I need to lean on him. I need to trust in him. I'm, I'm dealing with a t- difficult situation. If you say, Brother Andy, just pray for me this morning. I'm like that. I need I need the Lord in my life. And if you'll just raise your hand this morning as a testimony to say, that's me. Uh, that's, that's what I am. I see those hands and pray for you this morning. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. I pray you just use this invitation now. I pray you just help us to realize that we can always depend on you more. We can always trust in you more because you're a God who, who loves us. You sent your son to die for us. Thank you for loving us. I pray you just help us now to, to grow and follow after you. In your name I pray, amen. Let's all stand. We'll pray a song of invitation. Come this morning and tell the Lord, hey, I want to have you in my life be more than just a, a mechanical thing that I go through. I don't want my life to just be a, hey, God is just my someone I go to in a time of storm, but be a God that I, I spend time with each day. He wants to spend time with you. If you have coming, just come. And if you don't come this morning, I encourage you to make a decision there in your seat. Hey, I'm going to let the Lord guide me and direct me.
All right. I encourage you. Uh, thank you for coming this morning. But the service you really want to come to is tonight. So uh, you come tonight, you get to hear West Coast uh, young people, tour groups sing, and it'll be a great time of music. And I encourage you to come back this evening and get to hear uh, Brother Mark Rasmussen, a uh, great preacher. I encourage you to come and hear from him tonight. And uh, if you're not able to, uh, of course, do continue to pray for our pastor as he's out of town this week. Pray for him. Pray for God to use him as he's uh, being used to influence the lives of young people. I pray just be with, uh, continue to pray for VBS. And uh, as you go today, I just want to say if this is your, if you're visiting with us today, if you'll turn in that information card as you leave, we're sure thankful and glad that you were able to come today. And uh, at this time, Brother Robert, if you'll come and uh, close us in a word of prayer. I appreciate it, Brother Rob. All right. Are you there? Uh, that was a great message. Thank you, Brother Andy. Uh, and do be praying for our pastor as he's traveling as, uh, you know, the heat back there is a little hotter than we're going to get hot today, but they've got heat. And then they've got that uh, humidity thing that uh, we don't know much about. So uh, do pray for him as he uh, tries to survive that. Um, and then uh, do come back tonight. That would be a blessing um, to you and to them, I'm sure. Uh, and then Mark Rasmussen's great preacher. So uh, do plan on coming back. Uh, let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful to be in your house today, dear Lord. We are thankful to be 